0: And a good Theological Thursday to everybody. I am James Crockett. He is Dre Clark. We are happy to have you back with us again this week. Uh, whether you are listening to us through Apple Podcasts, through iTunes, through Spotify, through Google Play, we are always very grateful that you would take a little time out of your week to dialogue and, and listen uh, to us. So, Uh, If you have not yet, we would encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, You can follow us also on Facebook. Just look up Good Theological Thursday on Facebook and you should find our page. You can also contact us there or you can contact us through email at goodtheologicalthursday at gmail.com. Again, we would ask you to subscribe, follow, rate, review, all that good stuff. But again, thank you for joining us today. Uh, We are coming up on episode 7 of the podcast. Dre, how are you doing this week?
1: James, I'm doing good. I've actually been sick all week. I think I had a viral infection, so I woke up uh, with a severe sore throat on Monday, and then Tuesday was a day full of fever, and then yesterday was just coughing all day. But today, I feel like I am... Uh feeling a little bit better, a lot better actually. And so um, Fantastic. but yeah, that's been been my week. So I've got a lot of homework done, which is great. So i wrote a lot of papers, watched a lot of lectures. So there you go. it's been a productive week, but uh, I have felt yeah. terrible. So
0: it's not the most fun thing. It's allergy season now too, so I'm I'm dealing yeah. with allergy stuff and that's always fun. And and there you're not even sick. It's not like I can just stay home and you know, take care yeah, of it. Yeah, I you have to, like, are... Deal with it. So um but but oh well. Yep.
1: Yeah, not yeah. fun. That time of season.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's that time of year.
1: Yeah, you know, James, it's just a season. Though, so <laughs> you
0: should, uh, just <laughs> uh, that goes into what we're going to talk about today. A very common thing Christians will say. Um, but before we get into the main part of our show, let's move into our weekly recommendations. Dre, how about you start us off? What do you? What is something you read or listened to this week that you would recommend to our listeners?
1: Yeah, so I, uh, I had to lead a training. I don't even know if it was this last Sunday or the Sunday before. Um, but I had to lead a training for, uh, some students going on mission trip. And so we were talking about evangelism and talking about just kind of what it means to share our faith. And so there's a book that I, uh, that I read parts of back in seminary called Introverts in the Church. Hmm. And it's, uh, this idea of finding our place as introverts in an extroverted culture. And so I was kind of talking about our temperaments and the way that God has uh, wired us to present the gospel, and maybe uh, maybe it doesn't always have to look the same. And so um, I, I kind of just re-dug up that book this week and was reading through it. I actually have a quote that I pulled out that I think would be good to share with our listeners. Um, here's what it says. It says, If evangelism is defined as cornering a stranger long enough to sell a product, present the full gospel, and extract a decision, then an introverted evangelist is destined to remain an oxymoron. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I thought that quote was really good, this idea, I'm an introvert, and so how do, what does it look like to share my faith? What does it look like to be out in the public world? It? And it maybe our evangelism, um, as we've typically defined it in church, doesn't have to look that way. So I think it's a really good book, especially if you're an introvert and you've uh, ever had questions about what it means to share your faith, what it means to be an introvert in a uh, extroverted culture that the church mm. often uh, kind of pushes on people. I think it's a really good book, so yeah. I highly recommend it.
0: That, that's a really good point. So I, when it, especially when it comes to meeting new people, I... So I, I'm more the introverted side. I'm actually, if you test me, I'm like basically right in the middle between introvert and extrovert. But when it comes to meeting new people, I'm definitely on the introverted side there. And so I, I love that quote about, you know, a, a sales pitch, right? And, and mm-hmm. let, let's be honest, not in, every cult, that, in every culture, that doesn't even work. Um, no, and many no. people will actually react negatively to you. It, it's like if someone comes up to your front door and... You know they're trying to sell you something. A lot of times we don't like that. It's like a sales pitch, and it's like you know, get off my porch. You know, um, yeah. But
1: and I think that there's other ways. I think the book would point out there's several other ways that are scripturally based that you can do evangelism. And I think the idea yeah. is not that we never do that. Not that yeah. there's never a moment where you don't need to be up front. But there are other ways too, and yeah. and finding what what way works best in the context. Um. But I think whenever we limit it and we reduce it down, I think you get a generation that maybe doesn't share their faith, which is. Something yes. I think is happening. Which we can talk about another podcast, actually. It's an yeah,
0: yeah. I, I think sometimes in the, yeah, just in the culture with these type of things, we can try to, people will try to corner the market on something and like say, this is the way you do it. And it's not that simple. Um, that actually goes into what my weekly recommendation is, kind of that idea of cornering the market on something. So... First off, it is not, so for those of y'all who don't know, we look at notes on our podcast for every week, and Dre edits these notes, and for my-
1: You know, it's one of those shared documents.
0: Yes, so for my weekly recommendation, this is not it, but Dre wrote Fifty Shades of Grey, two thumbs up. <laughs> um, I have not watched Fifty Shades of Grey and have no interest, so that is not my recommendation of the week, but um, yeah, thanks, Dre. Uh You're my, actually my actually my recommendation is so it started with uh, it's kind of a two part thing so it started with I listened to this podcast called The Profile um, I don't listen to it regularly but I went to it because I had heard that they interviewed a man by Joshua Harris who some of our listeners might remember as being the guy who wrote I Kiss Dating Goodbye which is a very popular book in the late 90s early to mid 2000s and kind of became formative for Christian dating culture. Uh, well, they interview him because recently Josh, Joshua Harris has basically kind of renounced his book and has removed it from publication because he does not agree with the basic premises of his own book anymore. Um, and so I listened to that interview on the profile and it led me to, you can actually look up uh, a documentary that was just completed um, that's called I Survived I kiss dating Goodbye and it talks about Josh's journey to he talks with people who were critics of his book people whom his book hurt he kind of talked to different people like that just read his book and just had some critiques for him and he was really exploring you know do is my book valid or are these principles valid do what would I agree with my critics and uh, so I, I would encourage you to go listen to that interview and to watch uh, watch the documentary; it's very fascinating. Uh, I that I remember when that book came out. I never read the whole thing. I remember it was given to me before. Um, I never really fully agreed with it; that's for sure. Um, but Dre, you know, I find it fascinating. This book was written, and you know how old Joshua Harris was when he wrote the book. He was like twenty-one years old, was not married. So mm-hmm. we kind of we let a 21 year old non married guy define Christian dating for us. Yeah, um, and if you were I, in I the Christian
1: like, culture at that time too, I mean, it was a pretty. I kind of swam in some waters a long time ago back then. That um, that was it was a lot of advice given to me by older guys. I mean, that was it was a pretty hot book, and so it was very well talked about. And I think it did it did do a lot of damage into our understanding of, yeah. of dating and sexuality. Jeez.
0: Yeah, it, it's not to say that nothing in it was good, but. You know, it's like, you know, I feel like this whole problem could have been easily avoided with just a little bit of critical thought of thinking, hey, wait a second. This guy is 21 years old, not Mm -hmm. married. He might not have all the answers. So, um, But again, that's a and Harris will talk about, you know, one of his biggest problems is he said, I basically proposed a method of. Relationships that was one singular method and almost promoted it as like, this is the way to do it. And it's not for some people that might've worked, but for a lot of people, it didn't work. And when it's presented that way though, for the people it doesn't work for, they think they're out of options. Um, so again, recognizing an issue like dating, I mean, there's complexity because the Bible doesn't talk about it. So, um, or not a whole lot. So uh, yeah, so very interesting. I would encourage our, I would encourage our listeners to go check that out. Oh, so, um, absolutely. Well, Dre, we want to move into the main part of our discussion.
1: Yes. So um, we we uh, we came up with this idea for the day, kind of a fun episode. Some of our episodes are you know kind of heavy and and a little bit more brainy, and so we thought that we would do something fun. And so here's our title for our episode today. Um, I don't know if it'll actually be the title on iTunes. I think it'd be awesome. Of course, I put that in so James can change it later. But uh, but James and Dre destroy Christian lingo with facts and logic. That was our <laughs> our awesome title. Uh, That's right. And So uh, I think what we're trying to do is uh, we're trying to talk about, hey, here's some things that Christians commonly say, even kind of with the Josh Harris thing, like what are, th- what are some concepts that Christians – Maybe use that are really you know more power control, or maybe they're more just misguided, or maybe they're not open to a lot of other ideas, and so we we kind of limit our our language literally, uh, and we have these things that we say that maybe there's just some more to it. So what we're not trying to do is we're not trying to say that there's no truth in any of these things, that there is no um, validity that the people that say them are you know, somehow terrible people. Like, that's not our point. Our point is that sometimes we can misuse language um, and we can actually not be really good listeners. And maybe we're um, actually hurting our gospel efforts in those moments. Maybe we're actually hurting people. And we've um, mm. we've been, you know, so quick to use a quip, um, so quick to use a quip that we have forgotten that there's people behind them and there's real situations that need to be listened to and there's um, deeper realities to be explored.
0: So, yeah, yeah, I, I think that's a good um, just preface to what we're actually doing. Um, we we say we're destroying these with facts and logic. Of course, we're saying that very facetiously because <laughs> we want to have a little fun with it. And um, But yeah, th- to say that some of these phrases, it's they might have a nugget of truth in them, but they are easily misused or they don't really fully convey truth in the way that maybe the Bible presents it or something like that. So um, yeah. So one phrase, uh, we won't discuss this today because you can actually go back and listen last to last week's podcast. But one of the phrases that Christians often say is that Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. Mm, yes. Uh, so we actually, last week, if you go back to our episode, we answered the question of, or attempted to answer the question of, is religion bad? Dre, kind of what did we hit specifically uh, with that episode. Yeah.
1: That phrase is so common, you know, it's not a religion, it's a relationship, you know, and we, we kind of tell people that. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we really talked about, you know, well, is religion, does it come from humans or does it come from God? Like, is it a human construct or is it established by God? Um, and, and what are the implications of that? And so we argued that last week. And then we also talked about, um, you know, how, how can you actually use religion for good In what ways is it good and in what ways is it bad? And so Mm. that was kind of our, uh, or approach of last week's episode. So I think it was really good. But yeah, I think that that definitely is a misused phrase, not religion. It's a relationship. I think that, uh, I think that that's, uh, just unfair to a lot of church history and a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff that's said in the Bible. And so I th- think we've got to be fair of what it is. We are a religion. It is a relationship. Um, I think everything is a relationship, but mm. yeah, definitely a religion. Mm.
0: Uh, I agree. So. Encourage you to go listen to last week's episode. It was a heavy, but it was a, it was a very fun episode. Uh, really enjoyed that conversation. So, Dre, what do you think? L- let's start off. W- maybe what's a phrase uh, that you would say Christians say that uh, we need to unpack a little bit and see how true this is.
1: Yeah. So uh, we've got a big list of them. So I think just kind of track along through them. But uh, one of the ones that that, we, uh, that I often hear, the thank you part here too, is that God wants me to be happy. Mm. God wants me to be happy. Um, and so, uh, what, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I think we can hit that pretty quickly. Uh, the The idea here is, I think we are, when we look at the overall purpose of God, that we are often very selfish in thinking that this this comes from this idea that life is all about us, and that God is all about our own happiness, and you know he just wants to make life easy, but Um, you know, you read scripture and you read pretty quickly that I don't think God wants us to be happy. I think God wants us to be reconciled. I think God wants us to be at peace with him. I I think just saying God wants to be happy is way too simple because then we, what we do is we define happiness by our own standard. Uh, So we say, okay, God wants me to be happy. Well, here's what I think it will take for me to be happy. And then God's going to do those things. That's not necessarily what God wants. Uh, In fact, God, sometimes, I think God allows you to go through seasons when you're not happy or when you're really struggling, because I I think it's in those seasons that you become even more dependent on God and that you really grow and you draw closer to Him. And so I don't think God... So it's just a season, James, right? It's just a season. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's just a season. You just got to get through it. No, like we need to embrace... That there's more complexity in this Christian life than just living this happy, easy life. You know, Jesus mm-hmm. says, "Take my yoke upon you," uh, and then he says, "It's my burden is easy, my yoke is light." But there is still a sense of there is mm-hmm. sometimes struggle. And um, so, what does God want most for us in? I would say God wants most for us that we live according to the purpose for which he created us, that is to reflect his glory, to worship him. And God wants most for us to live a life that honors and glorifies him, whether that measures up to our own standard of happiness or not. And what we what we actually find is, is that when we live according to that purpose, that our own standards of what makes us happy changes and that we actually do find true joy in living the way that God actually wants us to live. Yeah.
1: I, th- I think that that's what, you know, you, you kind of hit on I, I I would say, you know, well, does God want me to be happy? Of course He does. The problem is, is not it's not does God want me to be happy. The problem is, is what makes me happy. Yeah. The problem uh, is, it C.S. Lewis or Tozer, somebody says, you know, our problem is that we're too easily satisfied. I think it's C.S. Lewis. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, we're we're kids in the candy shop, and, and and we were so satisfied with you know doing something else. It's you know when I was a little kid, I used to play with boxes. Like I didn't really care what came in the box. Sometimes I just wanted to play with the box. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's that kind of thing. We're so easily satisfied, um, and so it's not that God. You know, God does want us to be happy, but our desires are broke. And so what makes us happy um, doesn't really make us happy. And so God is willing to say um, he's willing to be the parent that kind of steps in in those moments and say, this is bad for you. Like, this is something that you think it's going to bring you fulfillment now, but it's actually a misuse of what it is. And Mm so um, so I I think that you got to kind of have these worlds balanced out. So I agree with everything you said, but um, I think. I think that really at the end of the end of everything, we'll see what I think made me happy was was broken, and um, what God has for me really is the best. So
0: yeah, I think maybe another way to say it is God wants you to be happy, but only God knows what will actually make you there truly you happy. So that's it, um, that's it right there. So you Perfect. definitely need to qualify it. Uh, there you go. All right,
1: that was well, that was destroyed with facts and logic. Great job. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, we, that was the statement.
0: Annihilate, destroyed. Alright, yes. let's move into our uh, next phrase. Uh, Dre, how about this one? So this is a fun one. Uh, God told me to date you. And maybe this is a larger issue of playing the God card. Uh, so yeah, what, yeah. what do you think here? Yeah,
1: so this one, um, gosh, I've, I've heard this one for almost all of my life. I've, I've heard people use this kind of a thing. God told me to do this. I, mean, I think if you have God told me to do blank, um one what you've done is you you've really stopped communication because what do you you can't really argue with that right i mean mm. you can you I mean you can say well no but if they said i mean they're already saying that god told them something and so they're already you know delusional in a sense maybe um and so you, you, it's that's unhealthy because it doesn't let you have discussion um especially whenever it imposes something on someone else you know god told me you know to date you my god told me that you know we're going to get married like um, mm. you, you know like so now. now you're saying that, that I don't have any choice in that at all. now you're kind of getting this weird debate of free will and the de- destination determinism all that kind of stuff so I, th- I think the phrase is just terrible logic and terrible theology all over and just very unhelpful um, yeah yeah
0: yeah I so I I've worked in young adult singles ministry um, I, I worked in it before I moved here to Texas and I'm doing more of it again. I work with college students. So I'm around, you know, most of my, most of my ministry life since my early twenties is doing young adult singles ministry. Um, And I, you know, you see so many times where like these creepy dudes, they'll say this all the time. And it's like one of the worst things that happens in churches. Like sometimes these dudes or sometimes even girls will go up to someone of the opposite sex and be like, I know God told me to date you. I know God wants me to marry you. And, then the other person's like, well, no, I'm not really getting that. So here's the thing. <laughs> so someone's got the signals mixed up, right? So basically yeah. when you say, if I were to walk up to somebody and say, God told me to date you God wants me to marry you, and they don't feel that way, what I'm basically saying to them is, hey, you're not listening to God, but I am. And so I think what's really happening is we have our own desire and then we all of a sudden decide to say, "Oh, because I have this desire, then well, God, God must have given it to me." Or yeah. so we we all of a sudden somehow equate something we want with what something God wants, and we don't actually consult God. Mm-hmm. We make God we fit God into what we want. Yeah. Um, and so this is why we use – this is why people use these phrases, God told me to date you, or, you know, we can go the opposite way of, well, God told me to break up with you. I just don't think this is God's will. And yeah, I think some people that that – I'm not saying that in every circumstance that there's not some times where this is truly God does maybe intervene in a relationship and really kind of yeah. break it off. Um, but a lot of times it's just an excuse. Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot it, of times yeah. it's –
1: Yeah. And a lot of times, a lot of times too, um, in the case with this statement too, God told me to date you. A lot of times what people tell me that God has told them to do, um, I would say 99% of the time it's always a benefit to the person who's told me that. Oh, that's a good um, point. You know, yeah, God, God told me to take this job, but it also comes with a pay raise. Yeah. God told me to date you, but you're also really cute. Uh, God told me to do, you know, whatever it may be, and it's going to benefit me. And <laughs> if right. you look in you look in the scripture, I mean, whatever God typically talks um, to a lot of people, it's, it's hey, leave your home, leave your family, leave your friends, come follow me. It's, you know, to Abraham, you know, leave your safety and, and, and go to the land of Canaan where there's lots of people that could kill you. Um, you know, <laughs> and so... I just feel like, uh, I feel like maybe we don't even want to, if, if, I'm not saying that God does not still speak that way, but, but if he does, maybe we don't want him to because the stuff he does say to the people in the Bible is sometimes pretty terrible and uh, not terrible, but you know, it's, it's challenging. And so,
0: um,
1: so before, before we pray, God, please tell me something, you know, God, please give me an answer to this, speak to me about this, you know, be ready for the fact that sometimes what God calls us to, um, is is not what we want. Sometimes our desires don't match up with what's really best for us. Back to that other quote, you know, God wants you to be happy. Yes, but the way to get there is probably not the way that you think it's going to be because you're broke,
0: yeah.
1: um, because your desires are broke. So yeah, it's so like, yeah.
0: hey, God told me to date you. Oh, by the way, good news. I already wanted that anyway. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm glad God agreed with me. Yeah. So
1: yeah, right, yeah, literally, yeah. I, yeah.
0: And so, so I think that takes that's a very it's a very difficult thing to practice to. You know, sometimes bring those desires before the Lord and then say, Lord, truly, uh, I'm going to bring this to you. And if you give me an answer I don't want, I will be okay with it. Um, and I just think that takes maturity. And it's something that, you know, I'm still learning. And I've, you know, maybe I've never just said this phrase, God told me to date you or anything like that. But, you know, I mean, there's been times in my life where I'll desire something and, you know, I wanted to just say, oh, God's okay with it, but I really don't consult the Lord about it, um, mainly because I don't want him to say something that I don't want to hear. Um, and so I think it just takes practice and really laying that down before the Lord. And I think that's a real sign of maturity, is when you want something, you lay it before the Lord. And clearly, you know, I think God does speak to us in different ways, like you said. And clearly, when God kind of leads you to, the conclusion of, hey, I'm actually, I know you want this, but this is actually not the best thing for you. Uh, yeah. I think that's a real sign of spiritual maturity.
1: Yeah, and I think I've said this before. That's that's why I take the theological stance that God normatively does not speak to us in that sense, you know, mm-hmm. in a verbal kind of thing. Because you know, I mean, if, if that was normal, if that was the way that theology and that's the way our relationship with God was, then then we would have so much chaos because there's so many People that have so many different opinions and mm-hmm. thoughts, and and it's so easy to mix these things up. So I think that the fact that this quote exists is is a you know argument in my favor that this is not the way God normatively actually talks to us. Yeah. That He actually talks to us through His Word mm-hmm. um, about His Son in in these ways, and so yeah, and you know, not he, not that there's not a relationship, but yeah.
0: yeah, He talks to us through His Word, and sometimes He talks to us in really practical means, like in this situation. Sometimes He talks to you in that. Hey, you both like each other and you're both are seeking after God. This really practically makes sense. You should go on a date. Like, I mean, that, yeah. so yeah. it's not God had to come down and write in the sky. And
1: yeah, he's know. given you wisdom. He's given you knowledge. Yeah. He's given you a brain. I mean, um, he's created us as people to engage in life this way. He's created us to engage in community. So why wouldn't we? work the way that we're created, you know, just we're broken sometimes,
0: a lot of times. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Next phrase. What do you think, Dre? Well, there's, what's another one?
1: Let's see. We're doing good on time. Let's let's go ahead and go to uh, invite Jesus into your heart. I think we can, we can kill this one pretty quick. Um, So that the phrase is, you know, invite Jesus into your heart or, you know, there's all sorts of different ones. And so um, this one's pretty easy because uh, that phrase that we often use, um, it's just not what the New Testament asked people yeah. to do.
0: <laughs> it's just it's it's yeah, this phrase is because it's not in the Bible it's um,
1: and now wait, wait, people are gonna say people are gonna say, yes, it is, it's right there in, in revelation three twenty right, you know, uh, behold, yeah. I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears the, the my voice and opens it, I'll open the door um, I'll yeah. come in
0: and dine with him, and he with me, yeah, um not that not at all what that passage is talking about yeah. um, oh really, the <laughs> passage is talking, yeah the the you know, this is a letter to the Laodicean church that's, you know, basically, you know, saying that you're neither hot nor cold, you're lukewarm. Um, we won't go all into the context of that because I, even I think people misunderstand what it means by lukewarm. Um, it's mm-hmm. um, basic, if I can put it in the basic context without going into all the background, he's basically saying that they were useless. Um, they're not. They're not They're not used for anything. They're not pursuing after God. They are just going through the motions, and, you know, the idea is to repent, right? And so when he says, mm-hmm. I stand at the door and knock, he's calling them to repent. And, and, and who's he calling? Church, is he? The church. There
1: you, there you go. He's talking he's, to believers, not yeah, he's non-Christians. Believers.
0: He's not talking yeah. to these unbelievers, right? Yeah. So... Um, and
1: I, I like to point out, too, here, not to get all uh, greek but but the preposition—well, uh, let me say this. When the, when the Greek language wants to use the idea about—wants to talk about entrance, it uses a preposition, ice. Yes. Um, and so the preposition in Revelation 3.20, though, is not ice. It's pros. And so this is a different Greek word mm-hmm. that means toward. And so the issue here is yeah. not um, fe- is fellowship. It's not entrance. Yeah. It's not inviting Jesus into, but towards means. So it's a different Greek yeah. word that's
0: used. Well, yeah. Well, like, to be— whenever the Bible talks about even the language of being filled or someone dwelling in us, it's the Holy Mm -hmm. spirit of God, right? It's not, it's never Jesus. Um, So Jesus, we know where he is. You know, the scripture talks about, he's sitting at the right hand of the father um, that he is. um, Yeah. He's ever present with us, but his position is at the right hand um, sitting at the right um, ruling and reigning over all things. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, this, this phrase is pretty easy just because it's not in the Bible. The, you know, the phrases that are used are to call upon the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. The phrase is, you know, Paul and Silas say, the Philippian jailer, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be yeah. saved in your house. there's yeah. These are the types of phrases that are used to talk about salvation, not invite Jesus yeah. into your heart. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: Good. Busted with facts and logic. Good.
0: <laughs> there we go. Boom. All right. We know what people mean by that, but... It's not in a really helpful phrase. Um, so, yeah.
1: so the next the next phrase is kind of kind of along those same lines. Um, and here, here's what it is, James. I'll let you kind of talk about this one. But if you're not a hundred percent sure you're saved, then I am a hundred percent sure you're going to hell. <laughs> That's very mm-hmm. extreme. This idea, if you if you don't know the day, the hour, the moment you're saved, yeah, you can't tell me that. This those kind of phrases. What are, yeah, what are your thoughts yeah. on that? Like
0: another alteration of this phrase It's like, hey, are you you know preachers often are you a hundred percent sure you're going to go to heaven when you die? I find this phrase. I'm going to be a little blunt um, because the more I've thought about it, I find it completely unhelpful, very manipulative, and just flat out wrong. Um, The Bible never talks in terms of the surety of your salvation of this idea, oh, what's your percentage points on how sure are you that you're saved? Because I think what this phrase does is it puts the focus on you, right? It puts the focus on how you feel. And we've talked about before that feelings are fleeting. Um, there can be a moment. Or like It's like, do you feel less saved at this moment than you did at other moments? It's like, I just think it's utterly confusing. And so when someone says this to somebody, they'll be like, well, is there any doubt in my heart? Oh, is, is there a doubt? Oh, then I must not be saved. No, I I think what we need to direct people to is what does the scripture say? Okay, did you, hmm. did you, what, what does it talk about salvation? There is a turning from sin, there's repentance, there's calling upon the name of the Lord for salvation. If you've done these things, then what does God promise? Well, God, prom- God does promise in the surety of salvation, right? Hmm. And, and so this is, salvation again is not about how I feel, it's about what has God said. And so sometimes when I feel. You know, I think many believers struggle with doubts of salvation, but mm-hmm. it's not about what you feel. It is truly about what is God said. I do one thing, you know, I struggle with doubts of my salvation as a teenager. One thing that was helpful to me was you remember the old casting crown song East from East is from the West. And there was one line in there that was really meaningful. It's like, I can't live by what I feel, but by the truth of what your word reveals, um,
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so – but I think this idea that if you're not 100% sure you're going to heaven, this puts the onus on you that you're supposed to feel a certain way. And that if you don't feel that way, then uh, – listen, by the way, I don't think we can ever say that I'm 100% sure of anyone's spiritual status with God. Like yeah. you can't peer yeah. into someone's heart and you can't peer into what their relationship with God truly is. So even that part yeah. of that statement is just – a little absurd to me.
1: Yeah. I actually did a, a sermon on this the other day. I'm, I'm walking our students through Mark. And so we get to Mark 9, and you have this beautiful statement, you know, um, of, of help my unbelief. I believe, mm. but help my unbelief. And so I preach on that. And so there's a couple of quotes that I pulled out um, that I think really deal with this, too this idea of faith and doubt. And so I'm just read a couple of them to you. I think it'd be really beneficial to this to kind of combat this idea. Um, so Frederick, uh, Buchner he says that whether your faith is that there is a God or that there is not a God, you, if you don't have any doubts, you're either kidding yourself or asleep. Mm. And so, and he continues, he says with some, without somehow destroying me in the process, how could God reveal himself in a way that would leave no room for doubt? If there were no room for doubt, there would be no room for me. Mm. And so this idea that faith and doubt really do go together. And so, um. And another one that I kind of, that I really, um, I was taught in seminary to, to kind of think through on this issue was Calvin himself. Um, so Calvin, Calvin has this very famous definition of faith, um, that, that we were taught to memorize, which is that faith is the firm and certain knowledge of God's benevolence towards us founded upon the freely given promise in Jesus Christ, both revealed to our minds and sealed upon our hearts by the Holy spirit. And so you get this language of firm and certain. And so, yeah, if you're not a hundred percent for sure, right, then you, then you don't have it. Um, but, but what I love is that Calvin is not just a theologian, he's, he's a, he's a pastor. And mm. so later on, Calvin actually says, um, we cannot imagine any faith that is not assailed by some anxiety. The true believer is in perpetual conflict with his own unbelief. Yeah. And so I, I think it's not the quality of our faith, I think it's the tenacity of our faith that pastors are trying try to be fair yeah. to these people. They're talking about the tenacity of our faith, the perseverance, um, which Calvin himself says is sealed by the Holy Spirit. And so, um, so it's it's really what the whole what God is doing in our lives. It's right. not the fact that I don't have room for doubt. It's that I don't. Right. Um, you, you're going to have moments in your life where you wrestle with these things, and so it doesn't mean that you're not saved. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, I think we need to ask people like just saying these things from the pulpit. I, I think again, I don't think pastors who say it are intending to manipulate, mm-hmm. um, but we see knowledge. That's what it does. It manipulates people. Yeah, and you know, I, I've had this happen before, and I remember having a conversation with somebody where it was in a service like this and, you know, it was very emotional, a lot of people coming forward. And, you know, this is a person that, you know, I had mentored and it's like, you know, I had, you know, spent a long time investing into. And so guy comes forward and we sit and I asked him, why did you come forward? So I think asking questions, all right, I'm Mm. I'm struggling with this. And then I ask, okay, why do you think you feel this way? So let's talk about why are you feeling this way? Okay, Mm -hmm. let's talk about, all right, let's go talk about your, what does God's word say? You know, what's your salvation experience? What do you, and and we talked through that. And so then we, so then I think that was able to help this person and, you know, begin to realize that, okay, just because in this moment, I'm for some reason not, feeling 100% sure I'm saved. It doesn't mean I'm not saved. It is that quote from Calvin is great. There is sometimes just this anxiety, and I just got to fight through. I got to interpret my feelings and not put my confidence in how I feel, but put my confidence in what has God said about me. And if God says this Mm. about me, then even despite what I feel, I'm going to be confident in that.
1: Yeah, Um, exactly, exactly. So so, yeah, I I think it's just really... I don't think it does any help to say comments like that. You yeah, know.
0: Yeah, I, I, it oversimplifies. It oversimplifies it. So, yeah. and, um, in
1: in the process too, I like I said. I think it, I think it destroys faith in the process whenever we say mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. You know, you actually um, you actually have done something negative. Um, so
0: yeah, very true. All right, Dre, uh, I got another phrase for you. Um, how about this one? Hate the sin, love the sinner
1: yeah I love this phrase because i um I used to use this phrase so much back like especially in high school days all that stuff whenever I was kind of early on in my faith mm. um like that was that was my phrase and so um I think whenever I started reading the Bible um I found out really quick that um that this is just not a good not a good way to talk about things for so many reasons um first of all um you know if you read the Bible anywhere um you don't find this kind of language and so I, I pulled up a couple of verses um Psalm five, five, um, you know, it says the boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evil doers. Mm. Um, it's talking about God, you know, for, for God does not delight in wickedness. So you hate, so God hates all evil doers. So first of all, the language is in the Bible that God does not like evil doers, which is the same as sinners. Right. Yeah. So, um, so if I'm to hate the sin and, and not the sinner, um, well then what do I do with those verses, um, mm. uh, Proverbs six, same thing, you know, uh, you know, the one who, witnesses and breathes out lies, you know, the one who who sows discords. These are like the thing, six things that God hates. And he says, yeah, there's yeah. seven, you know, these things that God hates. Um, the psalmist himself, you know, he says, hot indignation. This is in Psalm 119.53. Hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked mm. who forsake your law. Um, and so the question really is: is, is that appropriate response for a righteous man or woman, you know, to... Mm to have this anger against people who do wrong. Um, Mm. You know, someone, someone does something bad. You know, I I think that you've got a biblical standpoint to say, yeah, that Mm. we we can call that bad. And what that person has done is bad. And that, um, so I I think just to use the language of that is, you know, maybe not in line with the Bible. Um, Yeah. Yeah. What what are you thinking?
0: Yeah. I think like maybe a good example of this, I'll use a very extreme example, but you know, the common one we might turn to is Hitler. Mm -hmm. Like, is it wrong for me to feel a, an indignation and a, and a yeah. hatred toward Hitler and what he did? Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily think it's wrong there. Like, I, I think that there is a righteous anger that comes up. You know, Jesus, when people, you know, in the temple, when they come and defile the temple, and, you know, what you have is these people selling stuff and taking advantage of the poor because they need to, Offer sacrifices, and they don't have money, and these people are basically charging them so much money and taking advantage of their desperation. Well, yeah. does Jesus go in? He he's angry with these people, right? And he yeah. overturns the tables, drives them out. So, yeah, I, I know the idea behind this phrase is good. Yeah, the idea the idea behind this phrase is that we need to love people and that we need to. I often say what we have to get to is eventually with people um, to maybe not let our hatred rest on them in the sense that maybe realizing, hey, there's something else going on behind there. I would often say, hey, realize that your battle is not necessarily with these people, but with the enemy who is Mm -hmm. bringing deception and bringing temptation and realizing that there are people that are spiritually blinded. Um, you know, it's like people approaching maybe an unbeliever, an atheist, in the wrong way, and they might villainize those people. But realizing that, hey, no, realize that these people are that there's a spiritual war going on that you're fighting. Yeah. So I, I know that the the intention behind the phrase that we are to love people um, while hating sin is a I would maybe, maybe that's a bit I don't know, Dre, maybe, yeah. maybe correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe that's a better way to say it. Love people while hating sin. Um, yeah,
1: I, I think that, I mean, really the tension here is, um, here's what I would say. I would say the degree to which we are godly is the degree which we love what God loves and hate what God hates. Right. Um, and so what, what I don't, what I think can happen, here's what I think happens with this phrase. Whenever we say, hate the sin, love the sinner. I think what we are doing is... We're we're weakening depravity. We're reviewing we're people. We're almost we're almost letting him get off the hook. Like, well, the only reason they did that was because you know if you were born in that same situation, you'd do that too, and that's true. Mm. But but here's what it is: is that we are all sinners. We are all wrongdoers. We're all people who have done things that are wrong. Um And so, mm. but we we can't we can't lighten that because if we do, then we lighten God's love for us. And so God is both just and justifier. So I think that we've got to be careful about you know when it comes to justice, when it comes to. To grace, I think we have to realize that maybe in these areas we should go to both extremes. Maybe we should realize that we are really, really bad; that we are really terrible people, and God's grace is really, really good. And, and, and the second you start weakening those in phrases like this, and we say it's just their sin; it's not who they are; they are not what they do, um, which is true mm-hmm. in, to make sense. I mean, there's lo- there, it's a complicated thing, but um, I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, it, it, it's a. I think we got to be careful not to not to let people off the hook. Um, I think we got to be yeah. careful not to be people who don't stand up for wrong and say, um, you know, people people doing bad things. You know, what Hitler did is is not excusable. Um, right. We can't just say, oh, we love Hitler, but we just take what he does. <laughs> um, no, he he <laughs> he is a person who is doing that because he is a person who wants to do that. Um, right. And so yeah. we're and so are we. Um, right. Mm-hmm. And so I think it puts it levels the playing field and says, no, we're all really terrible people. We're all are people who are sin and we are all people who are enemies of God um, and, and, and we deserve justice. Um, mm. but luckily God is gracious. He's, he's the one who's going to take care of all this. Mm. Um, and so how does he love people? So, um, so we love people extremely, yeah. but we, but we also yeah. realize that we hate, um, we hate that we are broken. You know, we, we hate being enemies of God. So it's, it's, it's a tension that I think we shouldn't resolve. I think we should actually walk in it.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's, um, I think that's a good word. By the way, I also think of that phrase, it can also be completely unhelpful because what if you deal with a person who yeah, their identity yeah. in life is their sin, um, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, maybe the, the the common mistake we make maybe with this is like with homosexuality um, where we might say, well… I don't hate that person but I hate the sin they do. Well, if you say that to them, I mean their yeah. identity sometimes is that. And I'm not yeah. saying it's right for their identity to be that, but you're pretty much gonna if they hear you say that, they're yeah. still gonna hear you yeah. say I hate you. Or um, or
1: even even try telling that tell, to a rape victim, you know, like oh, like you know, you love that person who just did that to you. We just hate what they did. Mm-hmm. Like It's, it's just not gonna fly. I mean, it's, it's not, you're not really, yeah, you've, you've misinterpreted (laughs) the gospel. You've misinterpreted sin and depravity. And now you're just caught up in this weird thing that, that doesn't fit with any other human Mm. emotion, you know, really.
0: It's not a phrase that you find in the Bible. The principle behind it is good, but it's just not the most helpful. So finding better ways to talk about stuff like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, yeah, and it is that the principle, the idea of we we are people who love and let God be the you know be the judge. That is great. I mean, we should never. We're all bad, yeah. <laughs> so we've got to keep that in mind too. Yeah. All right, well, I can, we can go on that for a while. That's a, that's a hot seat one for me. Yeah,
0: yeah, Dre. I, I do think actually we're probably out of time for the day. Um,
1: yes, yes, uh,
0: yeah. I mean, there's more we could cover. Obviously, we're not going to cover all the Christian the things Christians say. Maybe we can do a follow up episode later down the road on this but um, maybe those are just a few um, hopefully that's hopefully that is uh, useful to you uh, yeah those who are listening let's just uh, let's just read the
1: ones that we didn't get to so people can maybe you know think and comment about their mm-hmm. own um, we we, uh, we skipped God won't give you more than you can handle um, yeah. it's in the Bible so it must be for me um, mm-hmm. we skipped uh, God helps those who helps themselves that one's pretty pretty easy one mm-hmm. to debunk. Um. Just pray about it. You know. Just pray mm-hmm. about that. Um. You know. Is is that all that God asks us to do? Um. It takes more faith to be an atheist than a Christian. Um. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, it has no eternal value. You know. This idea of of there's things that don't have eternal value. So those are some yeah. other phrases that we uh, we could have talked about. So yeah. Uh, maybe maybe go think about those on your own and
0: yeah. See what yeah. you come up with. Yeah. So. And again, I think our point today is not to say that all of these phrases are completely false but to really unpack them and say hey are they the most helpful things to even say and maybe what untruth are they conveying uh, that we might not be intending them to convey so um, if you have any more phrases that we didn't talk about uh, or we did not mention but you think are phrases that maybe need to be discussed or need to be thought through we would encourage you to interact with us so go follow us on Facebook, uh, comment on the page, or you can message us there. Or you can, again, if you maybe want to do it more privately, you can email us at Thursday at gmail.com. Uh, we would encourage you to do that. Uh, I do not have Dre, I don't have any listener feedback for this week. Um, but again, I do want to thank those who, who have gone and rated and reviewed the podcast. Um, if you have a moment this week and, uh, wouldn't mind giving us a little rating or just writing up a little review just to let us know what you think um, we would greatly appreciate that um, again we are on Apple Podcast, iTunes Spotify, Google Play Music uh, we would encourage you to subscribe to the podcast follow us on Facebook uh, contact us uh, and continue to join us in dialogue um, Dre, I don't think I have anything else, do you got anything?
1: That should be it. Thank you all for listening, and have a good Theological Thursday. See ya.